0: Guys, happy new year and welcome to another episode of True Crimes and Weird Times. I'm Ashley. And I'm Kim. And I'm gonna start the new year off just jumping right into the weird. This will be part one of my discussion on death. Now, trigger warning which, I mean, you're already listening to a true crimes podcast, so you should already have some idea of what you're getting into here. But I will be talking about uh, the scientific aspects of death and what happens to the body, so it's going to get a little uh, gross. That sounds fun. Yeah, just throwing that out there, you've been warned. Now,
1: I know a lot of people think of death, and they think, boom, dead. I mean, yeah, it seems like a very final, like, moment. Like it's done. Yeah, like it just happens all at once.
0: Yeah. However, death doesn't happen immediately. In fact, our brains are thought to continue working up to 10 minutes after death. Whoa. And I mean, if we're coherent for it, I don't know. But I mean, there is brain activity, at least.
1: Yeah, that doesn't mean that they are aware of it. It's just happening. Well, I mean, there's arguments. I'm just
0: saying, and we'll talk about that next episode But yeah, I mean, but there is brain activity, even after doctors have considered you dead. Then also, I mean, if you think about it, we've always heard people who were killed by guillotine, like they were still able to blink and
1: move their mouth and stuff. Yeah, the heads could still like move and stuff.
0: So, I mean, I could see it. Now, doctors have some requirements that have to happen in order for a person to be considered dead. The absence of a pulse... Uh, The absence of breathing, obviously, the absence of reflexes, and then the absence of pupil constriction in lot. So the pupils don't retract, get smaller in the lot. I mean, the biggest thing here is brain activity, though. Brain death is considered when the person can't breathe without a ventilator and they have neurological unresponsiveness. In fact, my aunt, when I was younger, I was there for her death and they were like, I mean, she's not responsive, but I mean, she was hooked up to everything. Mm-hmm. So technically, she was alive, but they had to unhook her. But after they unhooked her, you know, everything just kind of stopped. Right. So yeah. now and I'm going to give you a timeline here to kind of break it down for you. And so you kind of get an idea of what happens to the body throughout all its phases. Let's put it that way. Now, at the moment of death and within the first hour, of course, all muscles in the bodies just relax because... You're not using them. And the brain is (laughs) not trying to make them work. So so everything just kind of relaxes. And it's called primary flaccidity. The eyelids will lose their tension. And you don't think about, like, I know, like, if you do, if you meditate or you do yoga or whatever, you don't really realize how much you're using your muscles until you are told to, like, relax, drop your shoulders. And you, you realize this
1: shift in your body where everything just kind of goes loose muscles you didn't even realize you were clenching you you suddenly can like oh wow i didn't I didn't even right, feel that right
0: and you you don't even recognize it like you, your body's just doing it so i mean like you don't think about this but like stuff like your eyelids even if you're asleep your muscles are still working mhm but in death they lose their tension the pupils will dilate the jaw may fall open because again you're not using those muscles the muscles aren't holding it closed The body's bones and joints are flexible. Now, because of this, the skin will start to sag. And of course, gravity is going to cause it to sag downwards, whichever way the body's laying, which is going to cause prominent bones or joints to become more pronounced, such as like collarbones, jawbones, hips, ribs, you know, if we're assuming the body's laying on its back also because of the relaxation of all the muscles the sphincter will also relax this is what causes urine and feces to pass which if you've ever heard yes you will more than likely poop and pee after death so if you if you don't want that to happen don't die right
1: yeah if you don't want to poop (laughs) on yourself just try not to die there will be there will be at least two
0: times where you will absolutely poop on yourself and that is when you give birth and (laughs) when you die (laughs) Congratulations. Now, within minutes of the heart stopping, and when I say stopping, it's pumping blood, a process called pallor mortis begins. Now, this causes the body to become pale, obviously, because the blood is draining from all of the smaller veins in the skin. And that's what gives us our skin colors, makes us look lively. Now, at this same time, uh, this feels kind of obvious, but the body starts to begin to cool from its average 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, whatever that is Celsius. I'm sorry, I'm being very American here, until it reaches the temperature of its surroundings. And I wrote it that way because that could be depending on if you're in a home or if you're out in the snow, but it will finally reach whatever temperature the body is, the environment it's in. Now, this is known as Algor Mortis or the death chill. And it stays pretty steady and it declines in temperature at about one and a half degrees an hour. Algor mortis can also help forensic scientists approximate time of death as long, of course, that it hasn't been exposed to extreme weather or, you know, temperatures. Of course, extreme heat or extreme cold is going to affect it and speed up or slow down time of death. And that's what happens within the first hour at about two to six hours Because of the lack of blood flow and, of course, gravity, the blood begins to start to pull at the body closest to the ground, again, depending on if they're laying on their side, stomach, whatever. Or this is known as liver mortis. This is also kind of gross to look at, too. Don't pull this up. If you don't like bruises and stuff, (laughs) this could leave the parts closest to the ground to look very red or even, like, bruised, purple, blue, black. And it's just, I mean, it's just accumulated blood in the skin, this is also known as post-mortem stain for obvious reasons. Now, at around three hours postmortem, chemical changes occur in the body's cells as well as the body using up the last of its oxygen that causes the muscles to stiffen. And everybody pretty much knows this. It's called rigor mortis where the body doesn't move. Uh, proteins, actin, and myosin in the body causes the muscles to expand and contract in life. Like, it helps us move around and do our stuff but in death of course they no longer receive the energy needed to do this and this causes the muscles and joints to stiffen and lock in place now the first muscles that are affected are the eyelids the jaw and the neck so you're not going to be able to turn the body's head from there it kind of spreads through the face and then down the chest abdomen arms legs until it finally reaches fingers and toes so it goes from your head to the largest part of your body, and then outwards. It is not unusual for infants and younger children to not display rigor mortis at all as their muscle mass is smaller.
1: But for most anybody else, uh, bodies will go through rigor mortis. So their muscles are just, like, too small to kind of hold it in place like that? Is that what it means? Uh,
0: Yeah, I think so. And probably because the muscle mass is smaller... (sighs) If it goes through it at all, it would probably just be quicker because there's not a large mass to go through because the body is smaller, if that makes sense. Now, this will go on for the next few hours up until about the 12th hour, depending on, you know, again, person's age, physical condition, the environment the body's in, so on. When the body has reached peak rigor mortis, The muscles will finally loosen again due to more chemical changes. This is what happens, the decaying process. Now, this is called secondary flaccidity. It occurs over the course of one to three days, and it can be, again, influenced by varying conditions. Uh, The cold will slow down this process. Extreme heat will speed up the process. Now, during second flaccidity, the skin will shrink and... I'm sure most people have heard the myth that hair and nails grow even after your death. But it's actually the secondary flaccidity where the skin begins to shrink around the nail beds and the hair
1: follicles, which gives it the appearance of growth. That makes way more sense than just like two specific kinds of cells still working after you die.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) After everything else, Uh, rigor mortis will then begin to go away, except this time it's going to move in the opposite directions. It will start at, you know, the fingers and then move backwards. So fingers, arms and legs, uh, the largest mast, abdomen, chest, and then back up into the head. And this this period of rigor mortis leaving the body can last a- about 48 hours. Now, also, the body, of course, is going through this entire process. It starts to break down cells. The cells begin to release gases in the body. That will cause the body to bloat
1: almost like a balloon. <sighs> Just don't go look it up. Don't do uh, it. I've seen it. It's not... You don't want to see it.
0: Yeah. It's the internet anyway. You're going to find the worst ones up front. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I mean, it it literally is blowing like a balloon. These gases have nowhere to go. It's trapped in the body. So it's pushing outwards and the skin uh, moves with it. Now, as these gases continue to bloat the body, it can cause blisters on the skin surface because, again... It has nowhere to go. It's going to start breaking through the skin. This can eventually cause something called
1: slippage on large sheets of skin. And that's exactly what it sounds like. Don't don't look that one up either. Don't look that up either. Uh, I will
0: say that the skin will start moving on the body. Walking Dead style. Let's keep moving. Mm -hmm. Eventually... This bloating will also cause bodily fluids, uh, gases and liquefied tissue to begin to weep or leak from the body through its crevices. And I'm talking any of the crevices, eyes, nose, ears, the anus, wherever it can get out because it's got to come out somewhere or through the ripped skin surface from the bloating. Uh, This is where it starts to get really gross. Now, sometimes... This bloating just becomes so much that the abdomen
1: can just burst open. That sounds horrific. Yeah. I do not want to find the body at that point. Nope. I don't want to find any body, but especially that kind of body. Well,
0: yeah. (laughs) Yeah, especially at this point. Uh, From here, the level of decay depends on many factors. You know, where the body's located. Is it indoors? Is it outdoors? Has it been embalmed? Is it in a casket? I mean... At this point, embalming will slow down some of this process too because embalming helps preserve the body. But all of this will alter the speed of regular body decay as the body finally finishes just breaking itself down. Eight to ten days after death, the body begins to turn from green to red as blood decomposes. And, of course, the organs accumulate this gas it's basically eating itself from the inside. Uh, several weeks after death, the nails and teeth begin to fall out because there's nothing
1: holding it in at this point. But don't we find, like, skulls with teeth still in them?
0: Yes. It doesn't say all nails and teeth. Just some. I mean, this is still, yeah. Nails and teeth are more, are more likely to fall out at this point. Or they, they put can.
1: They don't always, right? They can gotcha. fall out. okay. Right.
0: Um, and then about a month after death is when the body starts to liquefy. Uh, yeah. Again, it's, uh, it's eating itself from the inside out. Eventually, it's gonna do its thing. It does what nature intends. Yep. Uh, and that is, that is the biggest part of the scientific parts, at least, of death. Some fun facts. Are they funny <laughs> Uh... I thought they were fun, but that doesn't, I mean, that doesn't say much about me. (laughs) Uh, I read on a website and I can find the exact website and share it with you guys. I just don't have it wrote down here. Uh, There are microbes that appear after death in the gut that will begin to eat away the stomach and the intestines again from the inside out. Uh, They will then move on to connecting tissues. They invade the capillaries of the digestive system, which is the liver and the spleen, and then move on to the brain and the heart. Now, which is super gross, but super cool, but whatever. Mm -hmm. This uh, can also help them to
1: determine time of death. I mean, that is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, depending on where these microbes are in the body and what they're eating on and so forth, they can kind of have a timeline of how long the body's been there, how long it's been dead. Now, if the body is outside, soil can also give some clues that there is actually a dead body nearby. Or that, you know, there was a dead body there, or whatever. This also helps people find buried bodies. As the body decomposes in the soil, the ground will uh, indent above. So you'll see kind of a uh, like a pocket in the dirt as the body begins to decompose. Now the ground will be softer and looser above the body. And as the body decomposes, it releases nitrogen and phosphate into the soil. Now, this will kill off some plant life in the beginning. So, it's going to kind of be a bit barren if there's a body there. However, these same chemicals years later can cause plant life to just burst, like just teeming with plants. So, it kind of gives them an idea that maybe there's some extra... Extra fertilizer? Fertilizer, yeah. (laughs) Let's put it a nice way. Also... As the body goes through its different stages of decomposition, the types and ages of bugs and bacteria that are in and around the body can also help determine how long the body has been decomposing, which is also kind of cool.
1: Yeah, which is I told you they were fun facts, right? <laughs> I still don't know about fun, but they're they're interesting. I'll give you that. They're fun. God, they're fun. <laughs> now this isn't
0: necessarily at death. This is before death. And I thought they, I thought these were kind of cool. And this will kind of lead into my next episode. Before death, nurses and doctors that are attending to patients, usually in hospice or nursing homes, they often see signs that patients go through that they see as a quote, pre-sign that a patient may be nearing the end of their life. There is a very common phenomenon called the rally. This is where the patient will suddenly get better, like right before, and then immediately get worse and then die.
1: I have not only heard of that happening over and over, I've seen it happen to people. Really? Yeah.
0: Now, they may start talking again if, you know, they weren't talking very much. Or they'll start eating or like they'll even get up and walk and make jokes or just acting more like themselves. And families will get excited like, oh, wow, she's on the man. This is great. But. Apparently, this is so common that a lot of nurses and doctors and hospice workers will actually warn the patient's families so that they're kind of prepared for this. Because it can be really crushing if grandma's, like, doing really great and you think you're getting out of the hospital and then, like, the next day she's gone.
1: Yeah. And I think that they... They did warn us when my husband's grandfather was on hospice. Like they they told us some of these signs to look for. And I'm pretty sure that was one of them. Mm,
0: it's, uh, It's really wild. I guess I don't know if it's maybe it's the last of the body just giving out its adrenaline or
1: something. I don't know. I have no idea. It's really
0: weird. It's very odd how that happens. Another one is where patients will begin to see or talk to loved ones who have already passed on. They'll start seeing people they love around them. Uh, I've actually heard a lot of stories like
1: this. I've heard those too.
0: Yeah. Where there'll be, you know, grandpa's on the bed and he's like, oh, do you see? Right. Yeah. I don't know. Helen, they're like, no, grandma's been dead, you know. But patients have been known to see pets, loved ones, angels, other spirits. Just I've heard of some saying, oh, they've come to take me. They said it won't be much Mm -hmm. longer. And then they'll be dead. Now, of course, they're the only ones who can see them and families are just kind of, they're confused, but many families experience their loved one talking to and talking about someone else in the room when there's just no one else, it's just them. Uh, The patient isn't usually afraid, and it's usually, you know, some comfort to the person. And sometimes they're given a message of, we're coming to get you soon, or uh, we're here to help you. I've heard one, one time where he said, the the Mm. bus is about to be here, I got to get my stuff. But that's usually a sign that... You know, uh, we're moving on to the next slough. Another weird phenomenon, and I've always kind of liked this one, uh, is the way pets or some animals will know when someone is about to die or is just dying. Actually, some studies show that dogs can pick up on body language and cues, and actually both dogs and cats are able to detect smells that we can't that may indicate that someone may be dying or is sick. I mean, I've even read stories about animals in nursing homes where they'll find their way to a patient's room you know and they'll lay on them or just cuddle with them or whatever and then the patient dying within a day or two afterwards
1: i've read those stories about like cat There was yeah. a cat one that i read in the nursing home who would always go and lay on the patient's bed who was about to pass away
0: right yeah see that i remember a cat and there's got to be some something to that because all three times I was pregnant, my cats knew before me. How, like, how do you know they knew? Uh, well, they were extra cuddly. And then, like, within a day or two is when I took a pregnancy test and would be pregnant. And then they would be all over me for the entire nine months. And then it was back to normal after, you know, after everything's done.
1: Oh, huh. See, my animals didn't care at all that I was pregnant.
0: <laughs> well, at first, I didn't notice it the first time, technically. Uh, and that ended in a miscarriage. But... Uh, my second pregnancy, I noticed him doing the same thing. He would, he would just be all over me, pawing at me, meowing, just cuddled with me all day, uh, or just at my side when I'm doing something. And then by the third time I went, uh, by the by my third pregnancy, I was like, okay, I need to take a test, and it was positive.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, at that point, start trusting your cats. Yeah.
0: So I mean, so there's got to be something to that, but it's just I don't I don't know what they sense. Maybe it's something they smell. Maybe maybe they can just tell i don't know the last one that i have is not necessarily a phenomenon but it is more of an indicator for medical staff at least that a patient may be at their final days it's known as the death rattle
1: oh i've i've heard of that one too
0: yeah me too and it's more of a distinctive sound that the patient makes uh in their in their throat in their chest it's it's just where the body uh, is having trouble uh, swallowing or just coughing to clear out the saliva. And it just causes like a rattle in the throat or chest and it can be hard, but it gives doctors kind of a a heads up, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I can share a sound clip of this uh, trigger warning again, if you don't want to hear this kind of speed it up 15 seconds, 20 seconds. Uh, but uh, here's it. Here it is so uh so yeah there's uh there's your lesson on death this week thanks ashley uh
1: you're welcome this is a downer for the first of the year sorry guys (laughs) it's 2022 and here's ashley telling you all about death well look after the last two years we've had might as well it seems fitting (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. Like us on Facebook at True Crimes and Weird Times Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at True Crimes Weird Times. Email us your stories at truecrimesweirdtimes at gmail.com. Can't wait for the next episode? Check out our Patreon for bonus episodes and more. And if you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Bye!